We're almost there. Christmas is almost here. and Probably the weirdest uh, approach to Christmas I think many of us have ever experienced, right? This is just uh, an interesting time. But God is still on the throne. Jesus is still the king. And he still wants and longs for people to know him. And this season um, always gives us opportunity for him to be made known. But we also want to make sure that he's made known in our lives very uh, pro- predominant also. Hi, Chris. You can see. Like, no, you're fine. It's just... Now I can focus on somebody. I'm talking right to you. No, but Carly's going to be, no, not at me. But we arrive at our third Sunday in Advent. So we are grateful, I hope you're grateful, for the entrance of God into our world. We rejoice in God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We lit the third candle. You'll notice it's pink. Um, and it represents joy. The joy of Advent. And what's wonderful about the idea of joy is that as believers in Christ, joy should be something that hopefully marks us, regardless of what's going on in our lives, regardless of how bad the economy, regardless of how bad uh, the world seems, regardless of how bad your health is, there's still this underlying joy that Jesus still loves you and he is the answer for all of our woes. We rejoice that Jesus came to this earth, and yet we also live with an expectation that he is coming again. So the end of our epistle reading is one of my favorite parts of of Scripture, Um, and it states, He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He calls all of us to be his children, and he will accomplish what he set out to do in you. You'll also notice that when we began our Advent season, the pyramids were changed to the color of blue. This represents a couple of things, but mainly we eagerly look to the sky for our Jesus to return. Now, when he ascended to heaven, if you remember, I mean, you weren't there. Um, Even the oldest person here was not there. You're safe. So when we were there, they stood there watching him. And then the angel said, what are you guys doing? Right? Pretty much, what do you go do what he said? Oh, okay. But we, with expectation, keep our eye looking for Jesus to return in the blue sky. And so that's what it represents. It looks, also looks like heaven coming down to earth. We rest in the knowledge that God has provided everything in Christ for this life and the life eternal. Then we therefore re- we rejoice and we give thanks in all things. Listen, believers, if you could just say, Lord, help me to be thankful in all circumstances. That will help. Trust me. That will help to be thankful in all things. How wonderful it would be, though, if we were marked as a people who were always thankful in all circumstances. I hope that that becomes the mark of me when people say, hey, do you know that guy, Kirk? They'll go, yeah, he's always happy. He's always thinking. He's always just grateful for life. You know, I'm not there yet, so pray for me. We can even give thanks in the midst of a chaos of this pandemic, believe it or not, because the faithfulness of God remains. Continue to pray for those who are more and more isolated because of this. In the gospel reading this morning, we are given the reason for why we celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, you may be wondering, how does John 1 explain the reason for a celebration of Christmas? There was no mention of angels, Mary, Joseph. I didn't see wise men. 
We didn't see really baby. I pray that we can lay hold of the beauty that's in this passage this morning and that it would radically impact our Christmas celebration. Matthew 1.23 explains, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus was born. God took on human flesh. He walked among mankind on earth for 33 years. Well, probably like 32 because he didn't come out of the womb walking, right? So well, was he walked for 32 years. Um, but many of those years of Jesus are unrecorded. He's born, we see a little bit at when he's 12, and then we see 30, roughly 30 years old, when he comes on the scene for his ministry. So it's assumed by most scholars that he was fairly normal, however normal God in human flesh can be, right? But he was probably not normal. I mean, can you imagine, parents, can you imagine a kid who always obeyed. And then you think of their kids, and you go, well, they're not Jesus, right? But you could say they need Jesus, right? Our kids need Jesus, and our kids, um, well, they make me realize how much I need Jesus. (laughs) Oh, man. But I wonder how many people, because Jesus walked alongside people for years, but I wonder how many people walked alongside Jesus and interacted with him and never knew or understood that God was actually with them. We have a world that has the evidence of God everywhere, and yet many are unaware of the pre- of presence and the provision of God in Christ. We who have received the free gift of salvation in Christ have been given His very Spirit. So we are carrying the very life of God wherever we go. He is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Now before we condemn the world and say, yeah, they just don't know any better, because they don't, by the way, Let us be mindful that we as believers who who know better, who understand the truth, often walk as if God is not with us. We forget his presence. Now, I know many of you are are much higher level in your Christianity than me. But there are moments in my day where I'm just like not keenly aware of the fact that he is with me. And then I think of a thought that is inappropriate or wrong. And they're like, oh, yep, he's with me because I'm like, whoops, (laughs) Uh uh-oh. Right, And so we need to realize that he is there for us, not to condemn us, but to help us walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling in Christ. We can't do that on our own. If I try, 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 I will fail, fail, fail. If I relent, relent, relent and say, okay, I'm sure of success. So let's pull apart John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and see the glory of Christmas. We won't pull it all apart because there's a lot in there. But in the beginning was the Word. Now immediately we see that the Word has always been, and we went through John a couple summers ago. One of the things that, that, that you see a parallel is, if you think of Genesis 1, in the beginning, and John 1, in the beginning. So he's giving us context of what John is trying to explain. John is trying to explain throughout his whole gospel. It's called authorial intent. What is the author wanting you to get when you read his gospel? You're trying to get the fact that Jesus is God. There's a lot more in there, but his main point. So when you read the gospel of John, look for those areas where, he said, where it shows that he is God. John 10 verse 30, I and the Father are one. So you just kind of see, he says, I am a couple of times in the Gospel of John, just to prove that Jesus is God. So in the beginning was God. Now that word was means present at. Didn't show up when the beginning happened, was there. When, so we could read it like this. 
The Word was present at the beginning. The Word was with God. In fact, the Word was God. The Word created all things. There has not been anything that has been made that was not made by the Word. Now, last week, we looked at what the prophet Isaiah and what the apostle Peter, as they emphasize that all that is in this world is temporary, but the Word of God will remain forever. John 1.14, And the Word, okay, the Word was with God, was present at, the Word was God. Okay, let's just make that connection. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Anybody can see the connection there. Okay, the creator of the whole world became like us in human form and dwelt among us. The prophet Isaiah and the angel Gabriel proclaim that Jesus would be born in the flesh, but that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. In the great love and mystery of God, Jesus is revealed as the one who always was and will always be. He always is, he always was, and he will always be. How glorious is our God when we think that he's revealed himself to us. Jesus explains in Revelation 1 verse 8, speaking of himself, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is everything. Now imagine for a moment, if you would, sometimes it helps to close your eyes, but if you're like me and you're in church, don't close your eyes, you'll be snoring. But imagine for a moment the little baby Jesus lying in a manger. And you look at this innocent little baby in a manger. This baby contained God. This baby was God in the flesh. The Word became flesh and lived among us. Such joy that God would dwell among us. If, If you just take some time this week and just ponder that God loved you so much that He didn't want to be some distant God that you didn't know. He wanted to come down and dwell among you, and he loves to hang out with you. I think often we're convinced that we're not that lovable and we're not fun to hang out with. He loves to hang out with each one of us. What glory we have seen. The Apostle John says we've beheld his glory. You and I, who have received the free gift of salvation, who have allowed the Holy Spirit and seen that the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to the illumination of the truth of the gospel, have seen His glory. But I want us to make this connection. We still have God among us today. Now, I know you might watch the news and really question that, right? I mean, it's like, okay. To me, it's God's allowing the world to to shift and to change so that it would rise to the surface our great desperation. I mean, you all, of course, you know, you're great Bible scholars here. Jesus has given us his spirit and he dwells within his children. Of course, God is among us. Yes, however, we have the very word of God with us. This changes the way I look at what we call the Bible. This changes the way what we consider the Holy Scripture, the inerrant, the Word of God. God's Word, preserved for us from time and eternity, is is unchanging. There's no error in it. It's divinely inspired, and it's right for, for us to live for truth and godliness, and also it reveals the heart of God and what it is for us to know God. 
Think of how great the plan of the Lord is. We have access to the Word of God like never before. We really have no excuse not to spend time in the Word of God. I don't want to put a trip on anybody. But you will not regret spending more time reading the Word of God. This is why the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that the Word of God is active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even the thoughts and the intents of the heart. How many of you have read the Word and it's almost like it jumped off the page and was speaking directly to your circumstance? You've come to church and a, a scripture was read and you're like, oh man, that's exactly what I've been dealing with. Because Jesus is still dwelling among us and he knows your needs. He's very intimately involved in your life. Take heart. Jesus told us he would never leave us nor forsake us. And he not only gave us his very own spirit, but he has preserved his word that we might be assured that he is always with us. As we approach a new year, I believe God is calling all of his children to know him more. And I think every day, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling you, hey, spend more time with me. I've got more for you. There's greater glory to behold. There's, there's uh, insurmountable joy that's going to be coming and flooding your way. Hang out with me. The joy of Christmas and the presence of Christ surpasses any temporal gift that this world has to offer. We're talking about coveting in Bible study, right? There's nothing this world has to offer that can compare to Jesus Christ. But yet we try everything we can to fulfill our deepest longing that can only be filled with Jesus Christ in the things of this world. And God loves us so much that that fails so that we might be desperate enough to say, Lord, help. May I encourage you to purpose it in your hearts, to read more of the Word of God, to spend more time in praise, to spend more time in prayer. And when I say spend time in praise, not only gathering together, but, but just praising the Lord for His goodness, thanking the Lord. We are told in our, in our epistle reading, rejoice always. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God for you in Christ, by the way. This is, if you want to know what the will of God is, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God for you. In an unusual season, we have God with us. The Spirit and the Word are with us. He's given us the Spirit. He's given us His Word. May the joy of the Lord be our strength. May we be a people who are so confident in Jesus that our joy would be evident as we proclaim the mysteries of God in Christ and practice our faith before others. Now, we always want to take some time for reflection. And this isn't just so I can have time to strap a guitar on and change positions. It's convenient for that. But I truly believe that so often we come to church, we hear a message, and we get out of here. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of thinking, man, I hope we get done in time, so we'll have a, we have a voter's day. Don't think about that. But, you know, I'm hoping we get a ton of time to get my favorite seat in the restaurant. Or I hope that I get home in time for, because I didn't DVR it, uh, my favorite football game, which I don't think anybody's watching football too much anymore. But we have all these things that we are thinking, right? That's good. I, I, I watch as much as I can. But, but, but I think we have these things that, that, that say, okay, I, I punched the clock. I spent my time at church. Yay for me, right? I get the gold star from God the teacher. And then I go about my day. I never want us to do that. I believe God is, is always speaking to us 
And whether it was in a song, whether it was in a prayer, whether it was in a greeting, whether it was in the message this morning, whether it was in one of the verses being read, we have come to avail ourselves to say, Holy Spirit, do some work in me today. I don't want to leave here the same person as I walked in, and especially in a year that is in complete chaos, I need more foundational strength that Jesus is my rock and my refuge, and that he longs for other people to be saved. So, let's just take a moment and reflect and say, okay, like the Psalm 139, the psalmist says, Lord, search my heart and see if there be any anxious thoughts in me. Some translators say wicked ways, but I like anxious thoughts because often, especially in this time of the year and what's going on in 2020, there are some anxiety. But see if there be any anxious thoughts in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. So let's take a moment.